What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here. We're walking out to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. Phoenix Down episode intermission 38. Uh, Matt uh, and I are waiting for Diablo 2 to release, which happens tomorrow. So we're doing an intermission show today. Today I have with me Anthony. I'm a hidden gem. And that's exactly what we're talking about. How topical. We are talking about gaming hidden gems. Um, and what better person than Mr. Obscure himself, Anthony? Because <laughs> you talk about things I have never heard of before. Now, granted, I never owned a Sega system in my entire life. So I missed out on a lot of stuff. So I... So I actually went through my Sega stuff for this because it, my my issue with hidden gems nowadays, and, and we'll roll into it when we talk about like what I uh, suggested before the show, but um, it's really hard to talk about games that are kind of unknown nowadays. Like as soon as they get to a, I'll, I'll just say it. Like if if Mel Jesus is talking about it in the video, it's no longer a hidden gem. You know, like he's not the only one talking about it. It's like, as soon as it starts to be like, oh, you're hearing, like, some big, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, a great example. Um, you know, we, we played it for bad games here, um, and I know you don't like it, but Deadly Premonition. Um, that, that, was, that isn't a hidden... Yeah, that was never really a hidden gem. Uh, I mean, it got bad reviews, and, and I'll, I'll give um, Sterling their credit and say, like... Uh, that they were the one that like made that a thing. Yeah. And I saw through kind of the the janky rough corners of it to see something that was charming and weird. And like as soon as that started to pick up and it was a known entity, it's no longer a hidden gem. Yeah. It just is slightly obscure. Um so I tried um, I did include things because I wrote a list. I tried. I did include things that are from bigger franchises, however, that maybe get overlooked in comparison to the rest of the series. Okay. Um, I, however, didn't get much from Sega. Uh, I think partially because, and this is this is kind of um. Uh, everything's obscure on the Sega Saturn. And the best stuff is kind of a known quantity by now. Um, you know, I could talk about Clockwork Night and Clockwork Night Two. They're great games, but like, I don't, I don't see that being obscure enough when it's one of uh, Clockwork Night is like one of the launch titles. Clockwork um, Night. Uh, okay, so I guess Clockwork Night is obscure. Um, That's not <laughs> to you. Clock Tower series. No. Okay. No. Clockwork Night is a. Uh, a platformer, but it's like one of the first to do the 2.5D. The environment is all 3D. The characters are pre-rendered sprites. So So they look 3D-ish. Yes, obviously a bit better looking. Uh Um, They were all rendered in 3D just like that. There's full 3D cutscenes that are like in horrible quality because it it couldn't do, you know, um, lots of colors. Uh, and it's actually the inspiration for Grand Theft Auto, as far as I know, the original Grand Theft Auto on PC, uh-huh. because the way the 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 levels looked in Clockwork Night inspired the developer 
um, whatever guy it was, I forget, that worked at uh, DMA Design at the time. Uh, he liked that, but he wanted to use it for a car chase. So instead of putting the character slash car on the foreground, which is 3D, he put it on the background, which was 2D, and used the same elements to build a city, like the, the same sort of concepts to build a city. Um, they're really good platformers. But they're on an obscure uh, console, like, and and it's hard to emulate. Uh, it's like Panzer Dragoon is known. I'd say it's the better version of Sonic 3D Blast. You can play Knights elsewhere, um, and everybody and their mother knows about uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga. I don't have that game, so I can't speak to the quality. But I'm going to take people's word for it and say it's probably good. Uh, it's got the better versions of a lot of arcade games in comparison to the PlayStation, but like. A lot of the Sega stuff is kind of known. Like Master System, I'm going to be honest with you, uh, most games are just kind of fine. The big two are Wonder Boy 3, which has a modern remake, so that's not really a hidden gem anymore. And the other one is Alex Kidd and Shinobi World, because it's not really an Alex Kidd game, it's a Shinobi game, and it's very good. But it's also, and this is kind of a thing I try to think about it's also 120 dollars or whatever it's like one of the last master system games and it was like released in the u.s only Mm -hmm. if it's that much money it's kind of a known quantity as well i'm not saying that all my games are going to be dirt cheap but it's like that's really only going to be the master system crowd that's interested in that unless you're a huge shinobi fan which this was supposed to be a shinobi game but then they threw alex kid in last minute it actually uses parts of the shinobi arcade soundtrack um and remixes them it's a really good game um it's probably the best alex kid game um but that isn't saying much and like that's just it like i looked through the genesis titles i'm like yeah there's genesis games i like but like i'm not gonna tell you uh bob is a good game like a great game, you know, that's a hidden gem. It's a good game. If you have a if you have a Genesis, it's totally worth picking up a copy of Bob or Super Nintendo. I think it's one of the better of those big exploratory platformers, but like a lot of that stuff I feel like has been kind of cleaned out by YouTube and and list sites and stuff. Mhm. Um there are a couple that I have for old consoles, but most of this stuff ends up being um, kind of the PlayStation era and forward. Right. And I, I kind of focus more on PS2 and some more current stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't really. I'm not going to blow you away with any uh, sort of obscure Sega stuff, but I might have some other things for you. And um, you were playing Katamari Damacy. Yes. Recently, no, for the first time. I'm playing Reroll, which I'm guessing is the remake of the first it's, game. It's just, yeah, it's a straight-up port of the first game. Gotcha. Um, and, and I'll be honest with you, those games, I don't think it had to be a lot of work. to. Uh, I, I'm sure they had to do some work to get it widescreen, but just even emula- trying to emulate those games, which I got successfully to emulate part of the second title on uh, PC. Those games look great. It's all the 2D assets that just have to be redone. Uh-huh. So, what do you think of Katamari so far? I it controls really friggin' weird, but I got that's, used to it. That's all of them. Yeah. Um, I think it's I think it's an okay game. I, like I, it it's charming. I think the soundtrack is fantastic. Um, 
And it's a simple concept, uh, it, it, but it, it eventually turns into trial and error. Um, finding the best route to take to get as big as possible. And, but it's, I'll tell you the re-roll it's on game pass, easy achievements. You beat a level, you get an achievement for it. I've been doing a level every morning before I go to work so I can get the, the quest done for earning an achievement every day. And, uh, for a minute there, I was stuck on one of the levels and I was like, God, what am I doing wrong here? But, uh, I think I've finally gotten used to the controls. Um, yeah, it's a strange one to say the least. And I played, uh, see, I, I had never played Katamari before, but I, I know the developer because I played Nobi Nobi Boy way back what in the day. What a weird, what a weird way to access his games. I yeah. still don't even know what I was doing in that game. Um, Wadham is also a bizarre title. He's a interesting creator. Was Katamari the first game he ever did? Um, I don't think it's the first game he ever did, but I think it's the first of like him as a director. Gotcha. Or or designer. Um, that I mean, it's his artwork. Like right. he draws like that. So, um, now were you aware of Katamari when it came out? Yes, yes. I for some reason remember X Play reviewing it. That's how long ago that was, and how they liked it. Did you know that it was extremely difficult to find? No, I did not know that. So, um, I don't know if you're aware of the original cover, but it is literally two cows in a field in that flat 2D art style. Yeah. With the city in behind and then the ball, and then it says Katamari Damacy in white lettering, and then it has the uh, Japanese uh, characters that are literally mean like clump spirit which is katamari that's the startup screen whenever you play it on xbox that's the screen that pops up okay so that was it and like that sat on store shelves and people were like what the fuck am i looking at yeah because it honestly it gave out iToy vibes just because of how simplistic and clean the artwork was like that's what i remember thinking was like is this an iToy game or something like that because like who cares <laughs> but i toy um and then very suddenly it was very hard to find because the print number was low and then they did a reprint eventually yeah um i had a copy from a blockbuster that i got used it, it was rare but it wasn't expensive i should specify that right. i got a copy i think for like 15 dollars used it got to a certain level, and then the disc stopped working. Mm. So I returned it. Um, I think I ended up getting my copy of Grand Theft Auto 3 at that point. Like it was Grand Theft Auto 3 was old at that point, but still popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, fuck it, I'll just play, get this instead. Um, I was very disappointed. The I eventually sold that copy somehow, I guess. I, I don't know what happened to it. I've replaced it since. But um, I didn't have a copy until after We Love Katamari, which is the sequel. Now, this series, I feel like a lot of people only talk about sort of two of the games. And it's one is Katamari. Um, however, the series got better with the sequel, We Love Katamari, because it still did the sort of normal Katamari, but there's one level where you have to roll up a snowball. 
Um, so you're collecting items um, to get a snowball to be bigger, but the idea is not to be as big as possible, but to make like the perfect size snowman head. There's no time limit. It doesn't tell you how big the head needs to be. You have to just kind of judge mm. based on the snowman. There's one level where you have to roll up flammable items to make a bonfire. And if you roll into the water, it'll or take too long, the ball will burn out. So um, is this only available on PS2? Yeah, this one is only available on PS2. Hmm. Um, and that's that's a shame because I think it's the best in the series. Uh, I believe it had both the soundtrack to 1 and 2 in it, but don't quote me on that. I can't recall. Um, the soundtrack to We Love Katamari is awesome, though. Um, then there was the PSP game, which I think is overlooked. It's a very good game. You had to use the face buttons, but it's available digitally. Uh, for Vita, and then you just map the controls to the two analog sticks. Mm-hmm. So you can roll that way. And uh, it's a fantastic Katamari game. And that one definitely has soundtrack elements from the first two games. And uh, yeah, it's just straight up Katamari on the go. Uh, I-, I think it's one of the better titles in the series. Beautiful Katamari is the other one that people talk about because that is the first time it was HD. That was the 360 game. And I think it's a... I I originally hated it. I think it's ingenious now um, because it... I think it's got the best closing levels, but the the gimmick in that game, because there's always a gimmick kind of after uh, me and my Katamari on the PSP where... The gimmick in Beautiful Katamari is every stage is sort of connected. So at the smallest level, you're inside the house. The house is part of the garden level. The garden level is part of the, the smaller village level, and the village is part of the city. And the city, like, every level is always part of this um, this gigantic map that right. scales almost. Um, and it's a very pretty game. It's got a good – like, all of them have great soundtracks. The Vita game, sorry, the PS3 game brought back old levels and new levels. That was kind of the gimmick that they had going on. Um, I honestly don't like Forever as much as I do Beautiful Katamari. I just don't think it's as good of a looking game. Um, The iOS games were really (laughs) good, and they don't exist anymore. Hmm. I I didn't realize this series was that big. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. And then I think the... I think the worst game in this series is the Vita title because it had this stretching and stretching and pulling mechanic or pushing mechanic where you can make the ball thin and wide and stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's a bit, that's a bit, that's that's taking it too far. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I mean like all the series is good. Mm hmm. Um, but it's just like I find that like we a lot of people overlook like the PSP title um, and the uh, sequel on PS2. We love Katamari because they aren't as memorable because they're following in the footsteps of Katamari. And by that point, beautiful Katamari is the first HD one, and then again we sort of had this drop off. It it's a good series. I wouldn't say it's a hidden gem, but I say that there's definitely some lesser explored games in the series. Mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. Well, um, I I have one. Um, okay. That I I uh, it's an NES game of all things. I had never heard of this game until a friend of mine uh, back when we used to stream. Um, he kept bringing up this game because we, we we'd have retro nights like every Monday night, so retro night kind of thing. And before I, you had to start canceling the stream, yeah, before I had to start canceling the stream every night. Um, and so he finally brought it over, kept talking about it over and over again. I was like, "What the hell is this game?" Because he tried to explain it to me, and it's the weirdest concept ever. And he said, "It's, it's fantastic." He loves it. It's a game called The Guardian Legend. Have you ever heard of this? I I have heard of it. I don't know what the game is. I think, and I th- honestly, I think I know of it because I think you've mentioned it before. And it that's is, it. It is the weirdest game because it is, it feels like Zelda in some aspects, like, like top-down Zelda. But then you can also either transform or get into a jet... And you have flying levels too. It is like the weirdest, most ambitious freaking NES game I've ever seen in my life. It looks like this would have gone like if you know how some people like pair up movies for like a movie night, and it's like, oh, that's a good pairing. This looks like a good pairing to Blaster Master. That's what it. That's kind of you're right. It is an action adventure shoot 'em up video game developed by Compile. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Wow, okay. I didn't realize they were that old. Mm-hmm. 1988. Also, the artwork is, like, the sprite work of the monsters. Yeah. The, fuck, I don't... Yeah, I've never looked up this game. I, again, I've I've definitely heard of it, but I didn't... Oh, I want to play this. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's legit, like, really cool. Like, I had never seen a game like that before. I was like, really? This is on NES? And he's like, yeah, you can transform into, like, basically get into a mech, almost. Or a jet. And you have, like, flying levels, shoot 'em up levels. Then you have, when you're the human running around, you are also, like, playing almost like a Zelda game. I've never heard of that game until he brought that over, and we played it on the stream. And I was like, this is... I've never seen a, a more ambitious NES game before. Um, uh, another NES game that I think has now gotten more popular. I know this because it was on the NES Classic. I remember it as a kid. Star Tropics. Oh yeah, that one's got a big cult following. Um... But nobody talked about it five years ago. I, okay, so I read Nintendo Power, and I feel like that was a game that kept being brought up on Nintendo, like, in the Nintendo Power magazines, but never, like, they they didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, I know they brought it out, I know there was a big kind of fanfare when they brought it on Wii Virtual Console. Yeah, it's also on the, the little mini NES. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, people know about Star Tropics. Because I, I, I remember it as a kid and thinking it's like a modern-day Zelda. And I was I was totally down for that. So I, I remember renting it. I never owned it, but I rented it a bunch of times from my local video rental store. Um, 
and it makes me just dive into like you know the games that were probably popular back then, but I you forget about them kind of thing. So like you know I I throw and I'm it's still a very popular game, but I throw Titan Quest in there because who the hell plays Titan Quest anymore? But then I look back, they made DLCs for Titan Quest in 2019. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's because THQ... It's funny you bring up Titan Quest. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, which is September 17th, Titan Quest Anniversary is free on Steam. Yeah, and that's a fantastic action RPG. It's a Diablo clone that's great. So I highly suggest it to people if you've never played it before. It's also on Xbox. But, um, yeah, I mean, because uh, in the day of, you know, Diablo, I exhausted Diablo 2, and this new action RPG came out in 2005, I believe. And I was like, you know what, I haven't played an action RPG in a while. So I just jumped into that and fell in love with it. A long, long time ago. And they're still coming out with DLCs for it in 2019. But um, I would say the probably the biggest game and uh, the game that I feel like nobody played except for me is Urban Chaos Riot Response. <laughs> Is that the one that you sent me? It is. It is. <laughs> I have to play it still. Urban Chaos Riot Response. Is that... Am I crazy? Is there not two games, though, that are Urban... Yeah, there's Urban Chaos, and then there's Urban, urban Chaos, Chaos Riot, Riot Response. Response. Yes. Urban Chaos Riot Response. If you look at the cover, you'll notice a very popular video game company made it. Do you have it in your... Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Before they made Batman Arkham Asylum, they made Urban Chaos Riot Response. That game is fucking awesome. Like, would I say it's problematic now? Probably. You're basically doing police brutality in that game. I mean, that's a lot of video games. It's true. But at the same time, that game is fucking awesome. Like, that game is... It, it's... It is a really, really good, competent first-person shooter. And it has these these little aspects of it that really make it stand out. So you have your riot shield. So you can basically have an... You have almost an invincibility shield that you can use at any time. Uh, but you can't shoot while you have the shield up. You have a taser and... Much like Siphon Filter, if you remember Siphon Filter, you can tase somebody until they sit on fire. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous concept ever. The title screen has the most perfect fitting music. It's a licensed song. Uh, and it's just straight up like, like southern country rock, kind of like butt rock. It's fucking awesome. That game is awesome. I played on the stream. I still think there's some clips of us playing that game. You want a weird website tie-in to Urban Chaos Riot Response? Oh, God, there's a website tie-in? Yeah, to our website. Okay. 
Urban Chaos Riot Response was known by three different names in development. The first was called Roll Call, a first-person shooter set in a rundown city in the near future. In October 2005, IDOS announced the project had become Zero Tolerance City Under Fire. That's right. That's because that's that's the name of the unit you're, you play as. is called Zero Tolerance. Uh, first-person shooter following a member of an elite anti-gang unit who must defend a city under siege. Technopop's former president and owner of its assets, Randall B. Rice, made a statement in which he held the copyright for the title Zero Tolerance and also announced that he was working on an updated version of the 1994 Zero Tolerance under the same title, which was being developed for the PlayStation Portable. Yeah, I didn't remember that coming out. Maybe it's because he lied. <laughs> he wanted that but yeah, money. I just thought that was uh, kind of humorous. Yep, that's uh that's a fantastic game that is hard to find now. It was on Xbox and PlayStation 2. Speaking it, of Genesis games, go for it. <laughs> Segway. Um this is like the only one that I had from the well, I've got two. Um I feel like the X-Men 2 Clone Wars game doesn't get talked about enough. A lot of people talk about the first X-Men game because you had to reset your console at one point. Um but X-Men 2 Clone Wars is actually a fantastic title especially you can you can play the whole game co-op mm-hmm. i love that title i think it's got great music the guy who did the music is by the by the way is from uh, information society oh here we go <laughs> yeah but um it, it's like this fantastic like because the genesis uh sound chip i think is really good at making more realistic music obviously all synth based but it sounds like club music from the 90s like the same music could have been used in a blade movie my opinion um the other genesis game um is one i never actually played on actual hardware i've only emulated it but it's (laughs) it's scooby-doo mystery this is on what now sega genesis was it also on super nes so yes but no was it? This is one of those games where it's very different on the Genesis compared to the Super Nintendo. Okay, I played Super the Super Nintendo one. The Super Nintendo one's kind of a platformer, if I'm correct. Right? It's, a, it's a platformer, but it's also an adventure game where you have to like collect things, like evidence, and right? Stuff like that. So, so Scooby Doo Mystery has two separate campaigns, basically, and both of them are like full LucasArts adventures. With Scooby-Doo characters. Right. It's it's literally the uh, Maniac Mansion sort of setup. Ah, okay. And I'm going to be honest with you, Scooby-Doo works amazing in that setup. Yeah. Because you control Shaggy and Scooby does his own thing. And they get into the wacky situations, and you're looking through the eye holes of a painting and spying on people, and they're, it's like two really good... One of them takes place in a, um, like a mansion out in like a ski cabin sort of thing, mm-hmm. and the other one takes place in the carnival. And it's just it's so so well done that they kind of use that formula later on. The N sixty four game, uh, Scooby Doo Classic Creep Capers, is essentially a 3D version of like a point and click adventure and it has four scenarios 
they're much shorter, but uh, really well done. There's some action sequences, of course, but really well done game. The Game Boy Color version of it is another like Scum VM or Scum Engine sort of type of game. Like, they're some of my favorite because it's just it's Scooby Doo, but and I obviously like Scooby Doo. I've talked about that cartoon enough times, um, but uh, just like what a great character for that. I wish they would do more. When was the last Scooby Doo game made? <laughs> Oh, dude, there's 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 got to be like one that's more recent. I just um, a lot of them are action platformers. And yeah, I'm like that's not that's not where this character and this um uh the, this genre that these characters exist in is the best. And it looks like Scooby Doo in the Spooky Swamp was likely the last like console game in 2010. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing um... Lego Dimensions technically. No, yeah, that's true. They had everything. So, yeah, I have a Game Boy Color game. All right. And this is another one of those. I feel like I'm the only person that even knows about this game. There was a game called Power Quest. That's the um, mech suit guys? Yeah. Hey. It's a fighting I game. I believe that was Natsume, right? I have no clue. I believe it was made by Sunsoft. Oh, it is Sunsoft. Who published it? Oh, Capcom published it. Wow, I'm off. Oh, and Sunsoft is the big load. Like, oh, it must have been Capcom in Japan then, because Sunsoft is the publisher on the. I know the character. Yeah, I think it was. I didn't realize it was a fighting game. Yeah, the characters look like Mega Man characters, but it is a fighting game a la Street Fighter. It was only on Game Boy Color, and I'm gonna go where all the fighting games are. Yeah, and I'm gonna go out and say it. It's probably got the... Alright. It's probably got one of the best 8-bit soundtracks in a video game. I'm not exaggerating. I'm I'm not going to argue with you. I don't know the soundtrack. I'm probably going to use one of the songs for the intro and outro. (laughs) Alright. I'm not kidding around. You can just look up like Power Quest soundtrack and just listen to it. It is fantastic. But the game is actually really good too. It's basically like it's almost like a weird like Street Fighter meets Pokemon game because there's not that many characters, there's only like six characters in the game, but you're playing as a kid and they're like like Rock'em Sock'em robots. So you control them. You're controlling them. It's just such a strange game, but it actually works really well. Um, but that's, that's one that I felt like I'm the only person that ever played it. (laughs) Um, yeah, I have, uh, I have a couple for Game Boy, uh, the Legend of the River King series, specifically one and two. 
because after that they just turned into Harvest Moon, but focusing on fishing. And I'm not gonna lie, they're not great. They're really mediocre titles. Like they really lost the plot. Legend of the River King and Legend of the River King Two are fishing RPGs. The, the later series are not. Um, the you you actually get into fights with wildlife, and you have to like time your button presses to do the da- like damage to the character, so you can miss because what it does is it puts a little um, fist icon and it moves it around the screen kind of randomly, and you need to time it to where it's over the enemy, and depending on where it is, you can do more damage. Um, but it's also like a full fishing sim on the Game Boy Color. And it's really good. It's a really well-done fishing game, and it's like, this is kind of what I want from fishing titles. I think that's the reason why I liked Final Fantasy XV so much, was it had a lot of River King vibes going on. <laughs> I've um, never played that game. I, I've seen I've seen pictures of it, but I've never actually played those games. They're really easy to access too because they're on the 3DS eShop. Gotcha. For like five bucks a piece. Um, I have to say it at some point, this is not for the new game, mind you. The Penguin Wars on Game Boy. It's a really good title. It's really simplistic, um, which is kind of great because, you know, uh, I think portable systems are great for uh, pick up and play. Um, it's a simple sort of dodgeball-esque game. It's got its own set of rules, but... Um, you know, it, it's not gonna blow your mind, but it's just—it's really satisfying to like just destroy the enemy by just hitting them consistently with every ball, and then having them lose because now all the balls are on their side of the court because all you've done is stun them. So you can hit them with the ball to stun them, and then it—the idea is that you want to be with less balls on your side of the court when the timer runs out. Mm-hmm. So if you can just hit them and keep them stunned and just keep throwing the balls right at them, it's hard to do, but it's a lot of fun. Um, obviously, there's newer versions on the Switch and PS4, but I'm going to be honest with you, they're not as good as the original. Um, a game you can literally trip over anywhere is Quirk. I feel like Quirk doesn't get enough love. It's the... I guess he's a tomato... Uh, Acclaim published it. It's actually Puzzle Boy in Japan, but it's um, it's a block-pushing game, but the idea is to escape out of a room. Okay. So it's like to... Instead of... Because all this sort of Sokoban, which is the block-pushing games, like uh, Boxel and stuff, uh, is to push the boxes into certain spots. In Quirk, the idea is that you are trying to get from where you start to an exit so it's not about getting the blocks to where they need to be uh it's about getting the blocks out of your way so you can make a path through the room and the music is super catchy um and stuck in my head forever um it got a uh game boy advance title um it's the sequel i i realize it's by hideo kojima it's a but um Boktai 2, the first game is fine, but Boktai 2 is like Zelda meets Metal Gear Solid with vampires. 
and it sounds absolutely absurd. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of the best games on that console. I would not recommend necessarily buying a cartridge because it's not the cheapest game ever and you need to be in the sun to play it or have a UV lamp of some sort. Oh, right. I remember this now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there are patches for ROMs that allow you to, like, hold the L and R button and then just adjust the amount of sunlight. And I'm going to be honest with you, it doesn't ruin the experience (laughs) because puzzle solving sometimes requires you to have light and not have light. And... It just makes the whole experience easier, I guess. But then there's a ton of missions that are just like stealth missions and everything that you can take on that are totally optional. Um, The sequel did so much for that game, and then they walked away from that with the Japanese-only third title, and Lunar Nights doesn't even do half the stuff Boktai 2 did. Um, The Another... And just jump in if you want, Drew. I've got, I've got <laughs> one because you, you, you jogged my memory. Okay. I, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I think it's one of the highest rated games on the Game Boy Color. Because you reminded me of Hideo Kojima. Metal Gear Ghost Babble. That is, I would say that's almost not a hidden gem at this point. It's just I don't, hard to fucking get. Yeah, but I mean, that that's like legit one of the best games on the Game Boy Color, apparently. Oh yeah, they like they they straight up. I mean, it's it's like a it's like a a non-canon sequel to the original Metal Gear Solid. But you they... know, you 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 reminded me of two games that I'm gonna go to bat for. Okay, Metal Gear Acid and Metal Gear Acid Two. Mm. Specifically, two. One is a little bit rough. But two is fucking batshit insane and really good. I never played two. Played the first one. So the first one is like I don't know that it, it. The first one's really weird um, because it's it looks like a Metal Gear Solid game, but it doesn't play like a Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah. Two decided like we're gonna not use Yoji Shinkawa for our art. We're gonna do. We're gonna have somebody else come in and just design, like redesign these characters. It's gonna look like a fucking comic book, right? Like all the the, the graphics are gonna look really odd and really like bright color. There's gonna be just monsters at some points, like mutants and stuff. Uh, Metal Gear is gonna look like a giant like mecha because why not? And, like, I'm not going to, I guess, ruin the the, uh, plot element of it, but, like, there's a reason why Solid Snake looks different in it. It, It's fucking crazy. I, and I, I love the fact that, like, they used, like, you would have special summon cards, like the Fury, and, like, it would play the cutscene of him dying from Metal Gear Solid 3. (laughs) And if you had the little, like, 3D viewer thing, it would play in full 3D. Like, they rendered it in full 3D. For the little uh, solid eye. I think those games are overlooked because they're not what people wanted, but then I'd also argue that Portable Ops is really good, and people didn't like that either, so I don't know what the fuck they wanted. I guess the answer was Peace Walker. Yeah. I didn't like Peace Walker. I really like Peace Walker. 
I'll tell you guys why I don't like Peace Walker. Why? Go down this path. I get to this path. It's closed. Go back to the fork. Well, why did I come? I wouldn't have come. Who says I would have come this way if I had a choice? <laughs> you keep making me go down these forked paths the wrong direction first, only to have to go back and take the other way. Don't do that to me. Let me fuck up then and let do that. But don't don't have me purposely go the wrong way so you can be like, ah, ah, ah you went the wrong way. Like, thanks. <laughs> so I've got another one. Um, so I played it on uh, PS2. I believe it was also on Xbox and GameCube. I can't remember. Batman Vengeance. Batman Vengeance had all the voice actors from Batman anime, anime series. Each level played out like it was a episode of the Batman anime series TV show. With like, you know, like a title screen with the cl- huh. the classic title screen and everything. Conroy's in it, Hamill's in it, all of them are in it. It is fantastic. I have not played it, so I can't confirm, but I've also heard that the Batman Begins video game is basically the blueprint to the Rocksteady Batman games. Really? That it's very similar. Now, I can't confirm that because I've wanted to play it, I just haven't, but I've heard that the video game is really good for that. Interesting. And it's on PS2 and all that stuff. Um, I'm wondering who made it. Eurocom. Apparently Eurocom. But, um, yeah, like... Yeah, reminiscent of the Splinter Cell series. Interesting. Like, yeah. So, um, speaking of... So, we... Am I crazy? Did we mention Blockbuster earlier? Yes, I did, because that's where I got my Katamari. Okay. So, I miss Blockbuster, because I feel like that was a place where you could get hidden gems. I'm not going to mention a lot of the N64 ones, because I feel like at this point, like, everybody knows about, like, Chameleon Twist and Snowbird Kids. Um, I found a game used there for like $15 called Gadget Racers. I've never heard it of it. It is a... So, are you familiar with Penny Racers? Penny Racers? Yeah. No. So, in Japan, this is... This is where I go off on a little bit of a tangent. In Japan, there's a series called Koro Q. They are toy cars by Takara. And... Takara made video games based off these old cars. Now, they're very kind of cartoonish looking because they... I don't want to say they're chibi chibi versions of cars, but, like, you know, certain features are accentuated. If you look them up, they're really neat toys, but there's a there's a game series based off of Koro Q. Okay. And every time they brought it to Western markets, they fucked up the naming convention. So, Koro Q64 became Penny Racers. But there's a different Penny Racers in the UK. It's a mess. I'm not going to go into how much of a mess it is. There's a series in Koro Q racing games, though, called Koro Q HG. I believe that's what it is. Give me a second. Yeah, HG. So, HG had... You basically customized your cars, so, like, the type of tires you got to use. Um, but then it would get really weird, like, 
if you take a jump, do you want to fly a bit afterwards? We could put a like you can put a glider on top of your car that springs out once you take the jump. Uh, at points in the the level, uh, you maybe you're going through water, right? Your car doesn't stop, but if you just drive through the water at, with a normal car, it slows down horribly. However, if you put a fan on the back of your car while you're driving underwater, you move through the water a bit faster. Or you could have pontoons on the side of your car that expand when you hit the water and just drive right across the top of the water like a boat. And it's really neat because other car like there's not really like um uh like a a, a fighting mechanic. But you could put spikes on the front of your car and do damage to other cars, but other cars could do that to you. So having the pontoons on the side of your car could put you at risk of getting damaged by another car because you're not you don't have armor there, but it also changes the weight of your car. There it's like a really well done series. So Gadget Racers was the first one I picked up. Um love that game. There is a sequel called Road Trip Adventure. I think it's published by someone else. Again, it's actually Coro QHG3, which Gadget Racers is HD2. And then they released a game. Atlas released the fourth HG game and just called it Coro Q. So just know that like there's a bunch of series. And if you're interested in a really good, not realistic, but really interesting racing series, the Coro Q games are great. Like even the, um, the more basic racing versions are really fun. I believe. Give me a second here. I believe Beetle Adventure Racing is actually based off of Coro Q. Do you know that one? I do know that one. I want to say. No, sorry. It's based off of uh, Need for Speed. Never mind. But it's <laughs> it's kind of this. But it, honestly, that game is a really similar feeling to like kind of what Gadget Racers is. Right. Um. Obviously, you don't get to customize Beetles, uh, Beetle Adventure Racing cars, but um, another I guess hidden gem. I think people know about that one, mind you. Um. I have another one from uh, the PS2 era called. Uh, this is not the the hidden gem. I I don't think it's a great game, but it's called Magic Pendle, and it's. It had character design by, um, oh my god, the Japanese anime uh, Studio Ghibli. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a Pokemon sort of game where you actually have to draw the the monsters that you use in battle. Okay. But imagine doing that with like, uh, it's basically like, imagine drawing with a mouse. That's already pretty hard, but do that with the analog sticks. It's like uh Oh god, Okami. Yeah, but you're drawing a 3D monster. Yeah, that's going to look horrible. So you draw like a circle and then it's like, okay, you want a sphere, right? And you're like, I guess, yeah. So it's like that. However, they took that concept and made a, not a sequel, but like reused that system in a game called Graffiti Kingdom. And Graffiti Kingdom is like a action platformer with some minor RPG elements. And I hear nobody talk about that game. It's just so fucking weird. Like, you can unlock playable characters, right, that are, like, drawn monsters that you can turn into. Um, 
but like one of them's just like Bub from Bubble Bobble, the dragon. Huh. And like it, it's such a weird thing because it's the same development team but a different publisher, I believe. And like Graffiti Kingdom, I've only ever seen the copy I have. That I've never seen another copy in my life. I've never heard of that game. And, yeah, I'll, I mean PS2 was kind of ripe for that. I feel. Yeah. Like I went through the PS2 list not not too long ago, um, and like boy, there's a lot of stuff that I've just never heard of. I got a couple. I'm pretty sure people have heard of this before, but I got to throw it out there because I, I had to review it and I was like, this is really interesting and I don't think anybody's actually going to pay attention to it. Mag Runner, Dark Pulse. Yep. Yeah. That one's, that one, that one goes for like dirt cheap to free it's all the time. really cheap and it who's is the, really good. Who's the dev of that one again? Um, I'm looking at Frogwares. Frogwares. Right. Our favorite, our favorite guys, right next to Piranha Bites and uh, Spiders. We are, we are the, we are the, we are the lovers of schlock, huh? I think so. But the, this this game is legit good. It is a nice. hey Frogwares. Out of all of them, uh, yeah, out of all of them, I think Frogwares is the most on track. Like, they, I don't think Frogwares has put out a bad game. No, they make the Sherlock Holmes games, which are all good. Yeah. And Sinking City, which was good. Yeah. Um, they have a really hard time making character models look, not look creepy as shit, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, Mag Runner is fantastic. It is essentially a portal clone, um, but it has a very crazy story. They need to wrap that stuff into other games that they've made. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see them do that. It's really good. Like I, I can't, I can't stress that enough. If you've never played Mag Runner, you really need to play that. Um, I, it's been free a couple times on like GOG or Steam. Well, so like I Google search no Mag excuse. Runner, and one of the top things is Mag Runner Dark Pulse Steam Key Global sixty seven cents. Yeah, like. I'm just going to look it up on Fanatical and see if... It's... Yeah. Uh, I mean, what what else you got? Uh, Mages of Mistralia. Um, That is a really, really good game. It feels a little bit like Magicka, where you're combining different spells together to make something else happen. Um, but it is it is a really, really good game that I don't feel like nobody really talked about. Um, I think I might even have that because it came in a bundle or something. Dude, that game is so good, and the soundtrack to that game is absolutely beautiful. It's it, I think I showed you it where what, what it, the the score is dynamic, so when you're walking around, it's regular, but if you get into combat, it kind of upbeats and add new instruments and stuff to the same song. It's actually really, really good. Uh, and that's a fantastic game. Uh, it's a little indie game that uh, I think won some awards. I'm not sure. It's made by a Canadian developer, Borealis Games. But um, yeah, that one's that one's a really really good game as well. 
I got I got two that you can agree with. Okay. Uh, stories. Oh God, it's so good. Yeah, stories is great. Don't don't play the sequel. The sequel's fine. The sequel is fine. The sequel. The sequel is boring. It's. Okay. I'm almost like it, it. Like my memory of stories and like my enjoyment of stories. As soon as I think of the sequel, I go, "Oh, that was a disappointment." Uh, it was not as good as stories. Stories. No, we're near as good as stories. Path of Destinies. Destinies. Is the name. Yeah. Is and the other really one. Were. I know people that are listening to this know both of these. So, like stories, they know. The other one is Glass Masquerade. Like the other outside of this site, we don't. Nobody don't, talks about that. Yeah, nobody talks about Glass Masquerade. Glass Masquerade is a simple concept. It is a jigsaw puzzle with with stained glass windows, but it is the most addicting. The it is the puzzle. it is it's the best jigsaw puzzle game I've ever played in my life, and it goes on dirt cheap on like Switch and stuff all the time. Yeah, it is on your mobile fantastic. phones. It's on your consoles. Re- really want a third game. I yeah, I, and like I, I wonder if it does better with a crowd that wouldn't be coming to a video game site or whatever. You know what I mean? Probably, but. It, yeah, fuck! It's such a good, good game. I'm gonna throw it out there because I reviewed it recently. It hasn't went live yet. I really fucking love Lawnmower Simulator. <laughs> you know those games are popular because it's got Simulator in the title. I know, but I, 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 I can't help it. Like I, I can sit there for hours and cut fucking grass, and I don't know why. I, I can't do it, man. I, I, I understand the appeal. Something just, lethargic I, about it. Maybe Power Wash Simulator. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I'm sure that's probably another one. But I would rather get paid to clean floors at work than clean fake things. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I'm trying to think. I'm wrecking my brain. So I got... Dude, I have a, I have got a ton still. Go. Um, okay, so Pitfall the Lost Expedition. Specifically, the console one. I think it's got a PC. Yeah, it has a PC version, but I mean, good luck getting that to run. It is a Metroidvania that is 3D. It's funny, and it's got some really kind of weird mechanics because, like, you control one of his hands with like the right analog stick because the whole concept was being able to like move a torch and stuff. Okay. So to like pick up stuff, you had to you had to manually do it with like the right analog stick and everything. Um. But it's a really good game. Like it, it's 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 exactly what Pitfall should have become, and I don't think it did well enough. Um, and it's a disappointment because it's a really good action adventure platformer that you know does that Metroidvania. Like oh, you have you have an ice pick. Uh, I believe it's you get an ice pick. The ice pick allows you to like double jump up the wall. But you can't climb the ice that is like the ice wall fully. So like there's certain areas that you can get up, but you can't climb up fully because you only have one ice pick. So later on, when you get the second ice pick, you can climb up that wall finally that you've been looking at the whole game and stuff. Uh, There's a bunch of little secret mission things that you get to do for like, I think like a trophy or whatever. And when you do that, it unlocks one of them. I think the completing the game unlocks the original Pitfall and getting all the trophies unlocks Pitfall 2. 
it's a fuck it's um another weird puzzle 3d platformer collectathon thing wallace and gromit in project zoo you are going through like this 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 very weird zoo you play as gromit wallace kind of wanders around but it's a big all these big puzzles to solve um and like a bunch of stuff to collect it's really good it's kind of janky i mean like it's not by any means gonna blow your socks off but for a game that doesn't get talked about at all it deserves way better um i'm just kind of going through my old stuff first because i feel like the newer stuff you might have something to say um we talked about it recently on one of the shows uh milo's Astrolanes on n64 is a great bowling game for parties uh, more bowling games need to add in powers for both the bowler and the opponents while they're waiting for their turn. Um, watching somebody get to the end of and about to bowl a strike, and then you drop a spring on them so the ball flies up in the air and right over the pins, mm, feels good. <laughs> um, quickly going through the... Uh, for the Game Boy Advance... Um, it is a it is a traditional puzzle game, but it the way you move around the environment is more like a Zelda title, mm-hmm. and that's Hamtaro Ham Ham Heartbreak. I've heard of this. You are it is a puzzle game where the you are not using items to solve puzzles. You are using new vocabulary from other that you learn from other hamsters to solve puzzles. And it's a really unique concept. I believe the Game Boy Color game before it also used the same concept, um, but I can't confirm that. Um, do do do. Uh, all right, I'll just start going into the newer stuff because that's kind of the older stuff. Well, first. I, I, go I, got, I got a couple of things. Um, there is a game on the DS. I mentioned it previously. I can't remember when. Puzzle Quest. No. <laughs> it is a puzzle game, though. It's called Planet Puzzle League. It is absolutely fantastic. It that is... It's just a standard Puzzle League game, but I don't... Yeah, man, this definitely isn't, like, a a huge title at all, yeah. even though it's a Nintendo license. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a absolutely fantastic puzzle game. Um, you have to hold the DS sideways. And you use the stylus to move blocks around. It's real simple. A game in that same style was the one... I can't remember the name of it. The top screen... Henry Hatsworth. There you go. Henry Hatsworth was a great game, too. <laughs> Didn't even have to finish this. I was going to say, it was a dude with a monocle and a hat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that title. It's it, That's another one where it's like... I, I don't know if I consider it a hidden gem anymore. Because everybody knows You can find copy. Yeah, I think you... Like, I found a copy for, like, two bucks that I gave to my friend just because I was like, it's $2, and I don't know when I'm going to see it again for this cheap, and I already have a copy, and it's just a cartridge, and it looks like it's been sitting in the sun. Here you go. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, another game that um, Drinkbox Studios, who makes some really good games, one of their early games, Tales from Space Mutant Blobs Attack, Attack. is so good. That game, I have gotten more free copies of that game buying other stuff. It is really good, though. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's what I got so far. I'll let you continue on. All right. Um, 
how familiar are you with the Dragon Quest series? I have played one game. What one? The one where you're time traveling. Okay. Rocket Slime was my introduction to the Dragon Quest series. So it's called Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime, which isn't confusing now that there's two Dragon Quest Hero Heroes games, games that yeah. are unrelated. Yeah. Um, Rocket Slime is part of the Slime Mori Mori series in Japan. It is the second of the three games. The other two have never been translated. The third one, the first game, I think, is just kind of like a standard Zelda-esque adventure. Mm-hmm. The whole concept is that um, you play as the slime, like a, just a standard blue slime, that his whole power is that he can extend himself and then roll after extending. So he rolls towards his enemies. However, uh, in Rocket Slime, he can stack like three things onto his head. And sometimes there's like a little knight that you can put on top of your head. And then when you press the button, the knight swipes its sword. And you explore these lands and stuff. And there's always these like carts going through. And you can throw stuff onto those carts. The carts go to your your um, storage because you're going to need the stuff in the levels to use in the tank battles. What the fuck? Where two giant tanks roll up against each other, looking like creatures from the Dragon Quest universe, and you are one of three crew members manning your tank attacking the other tank. So all the stuff you collect in these levels, which play out like a Zelda level, by the way. There's sometimes bosses, there's lots of puzzles, um, you have to come back with other, uh, like, later on when stuff happens. Um, there's not so much items to get, but it's... So, <laughs> so um, your crew members are other slimes that you rescue. And some they all have, like, different personality traits, and you can tell them kind of like generic things what to do, like just keep loading the cannons, uh, keep people out or whatever. And all the items that you collect do different amounts of damage, but also have different traits. So like you can get these statues that do a lot of damage, but you have to bait as it's coming out of your like because this tank like you. Oh, my God. You build a deck basically of items that you're going to shoot through your cannons. Those items pour out one by one randomly into, like, the control room where all the tanks are, or the, uh, the cannons are. And you load the cannons. You got one, you got two. One is a lobbed cannon attack, and the other one is a straight cannon attack. And if, two, if your opponent loads their straight cannon and both of you fire, those things will hit midair and nobody does any damage. If you both do the lob, same thing. So... It's keeping on top of that. However, while that's going on, they might come and try to invade your tank from the ground level. They have to break through the door first, but the whole idea is they're trying to get to like the mainframe, which is just like a giant light bulb in the center of your tank, and break, or a heart, I should say. It's a big heart, and you have to break through a bunch of light bulbs to stop that first. There's a ton of strategy in this game. Um... You can launch yourself in the cannon to launch yourself into their tank. If you get in, you can like quickly get through instead of having to break the door. Um, 
there's a ton of stuff. You can, if you collect enough of the enemies in the level, which you can do by throwing them on the cart repeatedly, you can recruit versions of those enemies to your team. What game, this is what, on top of a... What is this on? It's DS. Oh. You need both screens because the bottom screen is where you're playing. The top screen during the tank battle is the tanks shooting. Like, you can see where the stuff is in the air. Huh. It's a fucking fantastic game. And no one talks about it to the point where, where I will talk about it. I know that seems like a really weird thing, but I, I hear people mention it. I hear people say it's a great game. But I feel like people need to understand this is one of the best spinoffs ever. I am not kidding. I like Dragon Quest Builders. I like Dragon Quest Heroes. Dragon Quest Monsters is a fine series. All the Final Fantasy stuff you could fucking throw out the window, I could not care less about that Dragon Quest stuff either if it meant more Rocket Slime stuff. Because in the third game that we never got, the 3DS one, it's pirate ship battles. <laughs> so it's the same thing. And I, like, I fucking... It's such a good concept, and there's so much to do in that title. Um, there's missions and stuff. Like, I, oh, man, it's such a good game, and the art style is perfect because, like, Akira Toriyama's art, it, like, like human characters, not my favorite, but his monster design I love, and like, yeah, the story's kind of camp, but like, it feels like a cartoon. And it's it's a great title, and like for a while there, it was being clearanced out. I think the price has gone up significantly, but um, I will double check that right now. But uh, yeah, man, Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime. It, it's just this. It's just it's just a lot of fun. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, the price has gone up a bit. It's fifty three dollars for a loose copy now. Holy crap! <laughs> Holy fuck! Yeah, loose copy. Loose copy last year was twenty bucks, and now it's fifty three. Fuck off. Yeah, no kidding. Seventy dollars for a complete one. Yeah. All right. Um. Do do do. I'm looking through. Uh, if you like pencil puzzle games, I've mentioned this on the main show. I think it's pronounced Nikolai's. It's N I K O L I's pencil puzzle. I think I meant to write an S there. Uh, it's just these really good. It's got Sudoku, but then it's got um, some other like unique pencil puzzles. And like that game, I bought at a dollar store for four dollars, brand new. So I can't imagine it's very hard to find. Um, I've seen a couple copies elsewhere, it, it, and those have all been cheap as well. So um, you know, if that's the type of thing you like, it, you know, I put it alongside of like Glass Masquerade, over, nowhere near the same uh, quality, but it's published by Hudson, so Konami made it basically. But it's a really good collection of those. Um, all the other Pokemon spinoffs get way more attention, but Pokemon Ranger is a really good game. Uh, looking through quickly, I mentioned Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions on the main show. But that's a really good Metroidvania. It's really, really good. And uh, I think the um, the DS Spider-Man titles, Shattered Dimensions and Web of Shadows, get heavily overlooked when uh, for like stuff like Monster Tale, which is supposed to get a uh, re-release, a remaster at some point. But 
these games were better than their uh, console counterparts, in my opinion. Uh, again, ca- ca- don't let me cut you off if you got something. No, I, I, I'm, I'm running out of ideas here. I'm, try- right, cool. I'm trying to come up with a RPG. I'll keep plowing is, through. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Is there a is there a turn based RPG that would you would consider a hidden gem? Man, well, I already said Metal Gear Acid, and that's the reason why. Like, so the reason why I count Metal Gear Acid, and it'll it'll lead into something that I think is, um, uh, uh, I guess, a hidden gem. But I don't think it's hidden. I think it's just a gem that people sometimes overlook for other games from the same developer. I really like the idea of turn-based stealth games. Because unlike a real-time stealth game like Thief or Metal Gear Solid, there is is time to think about what you're going to do. So if you fuck up royally, it's not a surprise. You've watched it happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... You, you have full control over the situation, and then you—it's kind of like playing chess. You you fucked up uh, by by not doing something. So that's the reason why I like Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Acid. That concept is kind of perfected with uh, stealth or uh, mist. Or sorry, God damn it. Um. Invisible Ink. God damn, Invisible Ink. Thank you. <laughs> the life of me, I fucking couldn't. Man, it was, it was. I was drawing a blank. I'm like, I had to turn on my switch to pull the name up. Like, really? Yeah. Um, Invisible Ink, which gets overlooked for, you know, the the same same developer, uh, Don't Starve. You know, which is a big game for that uh, clay. But like, I think uh, Invisible Ink is their best title. Do you have one or? <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a turn-based RPG. I can tell you what's not a hidden gem. What's that? Uh, oh my god! Apparently, I can't. Um, <laughs> god damn it! Uh, the other one that's um, the one that I reviewed that was really bad that was like oh, I p- um... picked up because I'm like, oh yeah, like I love turn-based strategy games because covert something. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. I can't. I can't remember it. So it tells you all you need to know, I guess. Um, that was a bad. That was a bad game, but it was like more disappointing than anything. But you can't fucking have a, like they shot through stairs. They saw me from the fucking same side of the sidewalk through a window. Are you fucking kidding me? Like that's kind of impossible. And it's like that was a disappointment because I loved. Uh, invisible ink hmm. but I mean you know what can you do it's not the same developer that game goes on sale for 250 on switch all the time and I think that speaks volumes and that's like it's almost always on sale do you remember it was a playstation 1 game probably don't but maybe I'll get it because I didn't put like I didn't have a playstation 1 until I had a playstation 2 it was a turn-based role-playing game where you played as a, a a skinny little knight, and he had a rabbit. As your dreams. Mm, I don't was know. Was he red hair? 
No, he had a helmet, like a standard knight helmet. Uh, oh, God. Uh, oh, I got it. Give me a second. Guardian's Crusade? That's it. No, I don't. I had to look it up on Google. Okay. <laughs> that one. Uh, was it Okage, the Shadow King? The game I was thinking that's not great is Phantom Doctrine. Phantom Doctrine. Oh, my God. I would have never come up with that name. And I gave it too high of a score. I should have given it, like, a four in hindsight. I think it was too nice then. Well. Okay. Continue. Um... I got two that are like gonna seem weird until I explain why. Mm-hmm. Sims two and okay. the herbs, specifically. So when I say this, I, I say specifically the DS versions. However, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Advance version of Sims two is very good as well, um, but it's a different story than the DS version um, that I don't love as much. The the DS and Game Boy Advance versions of the herbs are identical. The herbs. The Herbs, Sims in the City. Okay. So, Sims 2 uh, was the one that they brought to consoles and was basically just the Sims, but you took more of a control of one character. Um, and I'll, I'll actually call it the, the PSP game of Sims 2 is okay, but it's not as good as the DS game. The DS game, you are managing a hotel. And you are in the middle of a desert. <laughs> You're in this town called Strange Town. You don't know how you've appeared there. And you're running a hotel. It's full 3D. And it is this very strange story of, like, the ex- the big um, uh, penthouse suite of this hotel. is always rented out to someone who is causing problems in the hotel. One time it's a gangster. Um can't remember the other two people but um you slowly get more and more skills that you can do as you build more rooms in the hotel so uh you can build an art gallery and then you can go and paint and make money that way you can uh go and lift weights and increase your skills and it's this really interesting thing and then you can become a crime fighter called Ratman and build the rat cave it's a fucking weird game because this it's is like in the Sims. Yeah, The Sims Two on on DS. Um, man, it is so weird. The big caveat with The Sims Two on DS, however, it is a glitchy mess. So if you the game will glitch over time, just because I think of how much shit it has to keep track of. But the big problem is that if you go out into the desert, you can... Oh, you can get abducted by aliens if you let your sanity go too low because your sanity decreases consistently while you're in the desert. And then you walk around like you've had a probe shoved up your uh, up your ass. Um, but uh, <laughs> you can go out into the desert and, and use your metal detector thing, which is like a minigame on the DS touchscreen. As you walk around, it'll show you what you can kind of see. Um, you can sometimes find alien mummies. And if you take those alien mummies to your examination lab, which you also have to build with actually, like using money in-game, um, 
if you do the the autopsy mini game, that it, you've ruined your game. Like it'll crash, it'll have w- bugs. It just you can't do it. You, so you just have to sell the um, alien mummies to avoid that. Um, but you can build like this weird government warehouse thing, and when you go in there, you can be friends with Bigfoot, who has a Canadian accent. So it's a simlish. Like the simlish sort of language, but with a Canadian accent. It's like Tier Murray, <laughs> just big fucking cartoon Bigfoot, dude. It's so fucking weird, but there's That's nothing so like it. Strange. Can, you can make music. There's a card game you can play. There's a there's just a full card game where you can constantly bet, and things change from what time of day it is and everything. And uh, there's some arcade games you can play, and you have the normal thing of like, well, your character has to go to the bathroom or whatever, and but like, it's a fucking like really in depth game. It's really neat. Huh. Um, oh, and you need to collect nuclear power rods to power the hotel. And if you try to uh, try to time travel, the game will punish you. Why is this game called The Sims 2? Because it still works off of um, basic Sims things. Um, but it sounds like it, so it, many other things. <laughs> well, you still have your, like, your, your, you know, it's actually one bar. The Sanity Bar is basically what it's called. But you still, like, if your character needs to go to the bathroom and you don't go to the bathroom, they will pee themselves. Right. Um but you're, it's it's a basically a truncated version of The Sims where instead of, and this is this is actually based off of the Game Boy Advance titles because there was Bustin' Out. Bustin' Out was um, you played as one Sim, and then you went and talked to other Sim Sims in the world, and so because they couldn't recreate all of the Sims sort of elements, right? So instead of having, like, basically uh, sea monkeys, um, they gave you a single character to control within the universe, and they had all these characters that they had built that do show up in the main games as well. Um, And so that was Griptonite's answer. By the way, Griptonite is the people that made the Spider-Man DS games that are really good. So um, they no longer exist, unfortunately, but they, they were... They were really smart in doing that. Um, and so when it came to Sims 2, that's what they did with the DS title as well. But it's not the same plot as Sims 2 on the Game Boy Advance, where it is also taking place in a desert, but every everyone's on a reality TV show, and you're just like there to help push the plot along without them knowing. <laughs> um... The herbs is similar because the herbs was the console answer to The Sims, but it was in a city and really boring, um, in my opinion. The herbs on DS and Game Boy Advance is also the same thing, where you have a single character and they have like all their little meters. Unlike unlike The Sims Two DS, where it's just one, they have all the separate ones of like this is time to go to the bathroom and stuff. But you're going through this big like story. Actually, like, there is an end phase to it, but then there's all these little mini-games for jobs and stuff that make you money, and uh, they're they're really interesting titles, because they're more than what people would think of when it comes to The Sims. Um, 
Sims Castaway is similar, but it's nowhere near as pretty looking. It's nowhere near as in-depth. Um, it is more of a simulation of check-in on your sim. They're still on the island. It takes a certain amount of days for certain things to happen. Um, it feels more like a virtual pet. That is not the case with those two, with the herbs and Sims 2. And, like... My mom picked it up because she thought it was interesting on the DS, and then we both ended up playing it, so. Oh, there you go. Uh, I've got, I'll just run through some quick ones. Uh, World to the West, did you ever play Tesla Grad? I've heard of it, but I have not played it. So Tesla Grad is a, like, puzzle game, but it's, like, Metroidvania build. So uh-huh. it's, like, puzzle platformer, but it's Metroidvania. Sure. World to the West is, like, a direct sequel after like a lot of years the world to the west takes place and um it plays more like a puzzle of link to the past okay so there's really not as much combat there is some combat but uh you play as four different characters it's really good um a lot of people don't talk about that i hear tesla grad but don't hear world to the west world to the west is a really good game um I know I've told you about this, and I said let's do it for episode of Phoenix Down. Anima Gate of Memories is basically budget near. Okay. I mean that in a compliment. Sure. Uh, it is clearly doesn't have the same budget, but it feels a lot like near. They're really good games. Um, I know everybody hates the Rabbids, but Rabbids Go Home on the Wii is a really interesting title. Basically, it is a bunch of levels, and the idea is that you're collecting enough junk to build a ladder to the moon. Okay. And they roll around in a shopping cart until they don't, because in some levels they, like, break the engine off of a jet plane and then fly that engine through an airport and stuff. It feels like what Rayman Raving Rabbids should have been, because this is not a minigame collection. Right. Um, this is one of those titles where I wrote it down, but I know people will be like, that's not a hidden gem. And I'm like, yeah, it's not really a hidden gem, but like, I wish people talked about it in some more positive sense. Super Paper Mario on the Wii might be one of the best Mario games. Well, I'm, I'm going to break your mind. I couldn't stand that game. Super Paper Mario? Really? Yeah, yeah. Did you go into it expecting Paper Mario? Yes, because it was then named Paper be... Mario, and I was very disappointed. Okay, so I did not, because I knew what I was going into it with. I'm like, oh, they are taking some of the elements of Paper Mario where he can like do things, like tr- go flat and everything. Mm-hmm. But they're making a Mario game. And I remember looking at this in Nintendo Power when it was a GameCube title. What we got was one of the best steps forwards for Mario, in my opinion. I mean, I understand. It was a very unique game, but I was like, uh, I was wanting Paper Mario. For sure, and I can understand being disappointed with that. Although, I'd argue, look at what we've gotten since. Yeah. Do you remember a better time when Super Paper Mario was the worst Paper Mario game? You know, I, <laughs> I, will, I will say it, Mario and Luigi is a better series now. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. But they don't make them anymore. That too. Now you got nothing. Ha 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 ha. Your complaints. <laughs> um, but here's the reason why I'll defend Super Paper Mario. Um, I think it's got great level design. 
not the best level design, but the idea is that this is an RPG and not a platform. Like this is a platformer RPG, not an RPG and not a platformer. So it's trying to blend both of them, but it's also trying to bring in exploration into a level system. I think its biggest fault is that it's not an open world game, like a Metroid-ish sort of game. But I also think that if it was a Metroid-ish game, like revisiting a lot of areas would suck. So they just broke them down in levels. It's got one of the best stories in all of Mario. Like, just this horribly dark and depressing story. And, like, really nice ending. Um, really interesting characters. Like, fascinating, like, just how much crap there is to do in that game, too. There's 200 floor dungeons. There's a bunch of missions. There's a bunch of cards to find. Like, in terms of a package, like, Super Paper Mario has everything. And, like, it is still, like, only 30 bucks. And, like, a lot of people are like, well, it's not Paper Mario. I understand that. But, like, I look at Super Paper Mario and, like, this is kind of where Mario should have gone. Now, to be fair, I'm not talking about 3D World, but, like, the new Super Mario Brothers series got stale after the first game, in my opinion. And, like, Super Paper Mario was exactly what I wanted from the next... 2D Mario title. Sure, I, mean, I can get I can get behind that. I, I I don't think it's a bad game. I just you know, I was kind of sour on it for a long time, and I have not went back to it since playing it that it, time. Did you finish it? Mm, I got probably about mm, I probably put a good eight hours into it. So did you get to the mansion with like the the decrepit mansion? You're asking me. I, the only I reason why remember. <laughs> well, let me rephrase that did you fight the little girl I can't remember she turns into a spider Drew you would remember maybe <laughs> it's I one of the most know. fucked up sequences Mimi she you're like oh Mimi's this little girl and she's this complete bitch that somehow like has all these people enslaved in this mansion and she's like you're gonna run on this wheel and then you you can run on the wheel and do the mission that way or you can find out how to make like 10 million coins some other way, whatever it was. And when you go to fight her, her head twists and then turns upside down. And then spider legs burst out the side of her head and then her body is dangling under the spider body. And I just went, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and, like, that's that whole game. Like, that is the beginning of, like, this is really fucked up. Like you just watch one le- like one world, oh no, sorry. There's another dungeon where it's a hundred people, like just constant battles against like samurai characters for like a hundred samurai battles in a row. But you, when the first time you go through that, like something happens to that world, and like I was just like, holy shit! Hmm. Like, man, I ugh. that story got me too. Like that story like has like some really sad stuff in it. And that, like, I, I kind of put it together. And at the end, when they confirmed what I was thinking, I was like, this is, this is the, the darkest Mario <laughs> story. Like this puts like a lot of Zelda to shame in terms of like how dark and bleak this is. Yeah. 
The I've got two. I was thinking okay. of one of which is probably not a hidden gem anymore because everybody talks about it. Enslaved. I don't know if everybody. I feel like people talk about it, but people aren't listening. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, no. Enslaved was it Journey to the West or Odyssey to the West? I think it's Odyssey yes. to the West. I don't know. I think it's Odyssey to the West. Yeah, because uh, Journey to the West is almost like two on the nose. Two on the nose. Yeah. Uh, Even though he's called Monkey. Yeah. So it's 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 basically a post-apocalyptic retelling of Dragon Ball, if you want to put it that way, or, or um, the Monkey King Journey to the West. No, yeah. Journey to the West. Um, and that's made by Ninja Theory. Uh, it was a budget title when it came out, and it is superb. That game is fantastic. If you have not played Enslaved. You need to play it, period. It has some of the coolest, like, set pieces. It's got some of the coolest, like, you know, just like the world. Because it's obviously a post-apocalyptic world where technology has kind of taken over, but everything's went back to, like, tribal stuff. It feels a little bit like Horizon in that sense. Uh, and the other game, you know, oh, you know, it's sad. I just, you say that and, and like, as you were saying, I was like, that's a lot like Horizon. And I'm like, they own fucking Ninja Theory. <laughs> Can they not like make their own Horizon <laughs> based off of like what they did with that title? You would think. Ah. But uh, in the other game, uh, in the same kind of vein as that, and I think it had a little bit of a spark when it first came out, but then it just kind of fizzled away. Nobody talks about it anymore. Majin in the Forsaken Kingdom. I honestly was just about to ask you about that. I Literally, so here's here's my tabs right now. Majin in the Forsaken Kingdom, Game Republic, Folklore, Darkness, Toy Home. Because I don't know Darkness, Toy Home. And I was going to ask you if Folklore was any good. Mm-hmm. Like that a hidden gem? I played through Folklore. Matt and I both did. For Phoenix Down, you, but I didn't. <laughs> about a year ago, two years ago. That game's okay. By the end of it, them pushing the six-axis controls, I was about done with that game. I was, I was, know, got really sick of it by the end of it. Do you want to know something crazy? What's up? I bought that game for fifteen dollars, and it goes for forty-four now. Yeah, no, no, it's it's forty-four American. I bought it for fifteen Canadian. Yeah, that's it's hell. it's really expensive. Folklore is, I uh, it's okay. okay so t- tell me, imagine, um, imagine the Forsaken Kingdom is you play as this young boy who befriends this giant monster, and you have to use the monster to not only solve platforming puzzles but also helps you in combat, and it is kind of like a action. <sighs> It's it's an action platformer. Um, I, I I'm not gonna say Batman combat because it's not Batman combat. It's more of like a I, I wouldn't say button masher, but it's in that same vein. That's a little bit more deliberate. Uh, the story in that is is great though, because uh, you know you, this big monster, he's you know kind of dumb, and the 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 kid is kind of like you know. Why is this guy so dumb? It feels like a Disney movie, a little bit. Um, that's a really, really good game. 
Uh, let's see here. Gunpoint. Gunpoint. Yeah. What is Gunpoint? Um. So, Gunpoint is a game that came out while I was like peak height of like hype for Watch Dogs, which okay. I love. And I'll say right now, Watch Dogs One is a great game. Everyone should play it. Anyways, um, Gunpoint is a game that is humorous. It has one of my favorite. It has one of my favorite like written dialogue segments that I can't recall off the top of my head of what it exactly is, so I'm not going to say it. But you have some like uh, like choices that you can make throughout the game. <laughs> And one of the guys has this angry text to you. <laughs> it's just so like, yep, that, that guy's not happy with my decision. Uh, there's a lot of fucks used in <laughs> that text. But um, it is a puzzle game that is a platformer in a sense. Like, you do control a character, but, like, the idea is, like, there's a mission... It's a stage, and you see, like, the building from, like, a cross-section view. Right. Right? It's a 2D platformer. I think so, I've like, played this everything. game. I think I've played and this game. And you can rewire all the switches and doors in the building. To set traps. To set traps. Yes. And the idea is that you you can't get into combat because it takes one shot. And you're dead. And you're dead. Yeah. And, like, at the end of the game, you can unlock a gun that shoots, like, one bullet. Um, it's got a great story, surprisingly, but it's also a really fucking great game that, like, I don't think people have continuously talked about ever since it came out. I feel like it was, like, big when it hit, his next game was coming, which is Heat Signature, which I still haven't played, um, purely because I forget that I have it, um, but Heat Signature came out, but it never did what Gunpoint did, and I feel like Gunpoint just all of a sudden was not talked about either. But Gunpoint's probably one of my favorite PC games. I've got one, and this is really fucking weird, and I don't think it's that great of a game, but I'll give him props. There is a game that I reviewed called... This is the... Gunworld? No, 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 no. Gunworld, Gunworld's actually pretty fun. Oh, okay. Gunworld's okay. Um, now this is I, I. So I knew the guy. I think I mentioned it to you. His name is Mark Lung. Okay. The name of the game is Mark Lung's Revenge of the Bitch. Oh my God! Yes, I remember this. It is a turn-based role-playing game, but all the cutscenes are him and his friends acting it out. And, and they're dressed up as RPG characters on like a college campus. <laughs> and some of it is actually really funny. <laughs> you can't even find a trailer for this game anymore. He only released it on PC. He used to come into my streams. He was friends with a, a group of people that I knew from streaming and he's like, hey, would you like to review this game? And I was like, eh, sure. And it's his game. He's the star of it. He also developed the game. 
it is the most ridiculous because he he's obviously parroting Final Fantasy. He's parroting Dragon Ball Z. He's parroting everything. It's the weirdest freaking game ever. You fight Ronald McDonald in it at one point. And it's like impossible to like fucking find. No, it you can't. I don't, I don't think you can find it anymore. It was never on Steam or anything like that. He 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 kind of just released it on his website. Um, but I know there's a few people out there that played it because you can still find like footage of the game. But you like he even removed the trailers for the game and everything like that. I was like, what? Because the trailers had some of the greatest bits from the the live action stuff that he recorded. It's it's like it's almost like if Tim and Eric made an RPG. <laughs> oh God! It's because it's so weird. Your summons, your summons in in Tim and Eric would all just be like weird cutaway sequences. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's oh, essentially God, what great. that that game was. It was so strange. And it, like there was one scene where they, they come into the first town and there's a guy there drinking something, but it's disgusting. So every time he talks to you, he takes a drink, just spits it out. Oh, it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of anything else. All right. I'll quickly burst through uh, some of the last ones I have. All right. One for review, Black Side. It was brought up on one of our podcasts because someone was playing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that game a lot. The comics are just as good. I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of the... I don't want to say Telltale type games because it's not exactly like that, but it's bearish. I'm not a huge fan of that formula, but it worked with Black Sad really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing it for a while. I really liked the game, and then I got stuck at a puzzle, which happens. But uh, Molex Sintez, which is... Um, a game by oh god the guys that did um, Infiniminer and Infinifactory and I'm drawing a blank. Uh, god damn it! I'm gonna see the um, Zachtronics. Um, and like Zachtronics is mainly about puzzle stuff now, but um. Nolik Sintez is like just it's this minimalist game where you're trying to make synthetic molecules using the tools that they give you and you have to it's not just solving the puzzle solving it once is fine but you need to make it so it can continuously make the same synthetic molecules and that's where it gets difficult like you have to basically build this this contraption that like will delete the certain like um elements to like so so it's like you get like these base like molecules of like two different things and you need say the hydrogen atom sorry the atoms You, you, you need the hydrogen atoms from one and then like the oxygen off of another but then they have all this other shit attached to them because it's two different you know substances and it's getting those pieces separated and put together while deleting the other pieces in steps and then having the thing reset itself. Um, 
And then what's nice is they give you the uh, GIF exporter, so you can just have it play as a GIF once you figure it out. Um, I really like that. Uh, one that, and then I have two that we should do sometime. It, it, you know, when plans and stuff uh, aren't like super busy with Phoenix Town. Um, I've told you about this before, but Anodyne. Which, yes, you've told me about this. I think if I were to make a list of my favorite games of all time, that would be there. Um, I don't know how big that list would be. Probably pretty big, but like Anodyne would be somewhere on the list. Um, the main game is weird. But I'm going to use an analogy that I maybe have used with you before. I can't recall, but it's it's kind of like after that game, that game is weird. Then the game finishes, and then it goes like full Life is Strange Chapter 5. Okay. Like, what? And then you just keep going, what the fuck am I, What what's happening? <laughs> like, how is, and then you're like, I guess this is, part of the game now and yes to see the I guess true ending which isn't really an ending um but like to get do everything in that game like that game fucking totally dismantles itself in a way that I'm like alright that's very unique that's the anodyne did you say they made a sequel too they made a sequel the sequel I have not finished so I can't speak to that I know it gets also weird, but in very different ways. Um, see, I don't want to spoil it because I want you to play it, but at the same time, I feel like it might be it might be the thing to push people to play it. So I'll I fuck it. I guess uh, spoilers if you don't want Anodyne spoiled. I'm not going to tell you the story, and I'm not going to tell you exactly what happens. But Anodyne plays like a very basic version of Link's Awakening. But the whole thing is just shrouded in mystery. You go weird places, characters speak to you in weird phrases that don't necessarily make sense. It feels like David Lynch wrote it at times. Um, and I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. It's still a pretty good game. Um, and then you finish the game and you get a new item that allows you to switch any panel to another panel on the screen. So imagine in, say, Zelda Link's Awakening, right? You're walking through, and oh, a tree on this screen blocks your path. You just take this item, and you swap the square, like the squares that the tree is on for normal grass that you can walk on, and then you can walk through where that tree used to be because you've moved them out of the way. Okay. All right. And the <clears> game <throat> wants up a lot you, of possibilities. That game almost demands you to break it to get 100% of the items. Or, well, the, there's collectible cards. To get all the cards, it demands you break that game into pieces. How long does it take to do all of it? Um, I'm going to look right now because I can't tell you how, so it was under, so I, I have 
five out of six achievements. The last one is that you get 100% and finish the game in under three hours. I obviously didn't do that. Um, I'm going to say about eight hours to finish the thing fully. Okay. Give or take. Now, there's some other items that you can get that, like, one of them is literally (laughs) you walk onto a screen, and as you sit there, a bunny walks out. And if you move, the bunny runs away. But if you sit there for, I think, two hours, three hours, the bunny slowly makes its way across the edge of the screen, and then you can go and get this item that does nothing. Wow. Yeah. You don't need the items. The items are, like, weird collectibles that, like, oh, you got here, congratulations. And, like, sometimes you'll talk to someone. But it's, like, a really weird and heady game. Hmm. Okay. Um, and the other one that we might might be good to play, I suggested this to Jay, but maybe you would like it, too. It's called Why Am I Dead at Sea? I love the soundtrack to it. Um, it is a detective mystery game where you are dead Mm -hmm. and you can possess people on the ship but how do I put this every character has their own skill and you are trying to solve who murdered you okay and like until later on, when you, like, can fully possess people um, and be, like, fully in control, you're just kind of, like, suggesting the character. So you can use their skill, sure, but anything... So, like, say I saw, like, this person has an item that they've clearly stolen from someone else, right? And I'm playing as... So I see the character, I see the stolen item, and I'm playing as a character that can't act, like, I'm playing as a third party, right, to this event where I'm seeing this character with the stolen item. That character can't talk to another character because that person won't talk to them, like the character I'm playing as. And if I go into another character, I don't bring that information with me because it's stuck in the person. Because I can't fully possess anyone so i don't get access to their knowledge and mine i only have access to what they know and what they see and witness does that make sense my i'm really poorly explaining this yeah yeah they don't have the information so they can't they can't grasp what you're trying to do yeah so like i i can't tell someone like hey i saw this person with your your necklace or whatever right because the character i'm possessing doesn't didn't see that person with the necklace I can only tell that character with a character who's seen that person with their necklace. Until later when you can fully possess people, but that's where it opens up a different can of worms because when you fully possess someone, you have different options for dialogue. And it has one of the best ending sequences that I think kind of puts Ace Attorney and stuff to shame because unlike other games you can have different endings not based on what you know but how you present the evidence because the order in which you present certain things definitely makes it the story different 
it was fascinating, and apparently it was a sequel to a Flash game called Why Am I Dead? And I have not played that, and I need to. Huh, okay. I've only ever heard one person talk about it. It was Nitro Rad. Nitro Rad suggested it. I went, that game kind of looks neat. And I like the music, so I'm like, I'm going to go play it. And sure enough, it was fucking fantastic. And it's like, uh, you know, here, hold on. Am I dead? Let's see. And let me see here. Uh, 319 reviews. So it's not like... You know, the it's very positive on Steam, but it's only 319 reviews and released in 2015. Okay. It's under it's under six bucks. It's there under probably five bucks uh, U.S. I I'm looking at Canada prices, of course. Well, you reminded me of two games. Okay. I just lost one of them, but I know the other one. <laughs> okay, I remind you of one game, and the other game is fleeting quickly. Yeah, I can't remember it now. Uh, oh, I got it. Okay, it's back. We've mentioned these games multiple times before. We did one for Phoenix Down. I am still a... I will die on that hill. Alpha Protocol is one of the best games out there. It has such a branching story path. I don't know how many ways that game can end. Alpha Protocol breaks all the rules. There are multiple ways to deal with things. One of the perfect examples is... uh, Jay had played the game before. He was playing with us. Well, you can choose where to go the game kind of points you in the direction of you need to go to Moscow first. Okay, well, the final boss of Moscow is this, like, this, like, coked-out drug dealer dude who you had to fight. The game usually just points you saying, hey, you might want to go to Moscow. Okay, whatever. So me and Matt go to Moscow. Jay, who had played the game before, decided to do something different. He went and talked to a different character in, I think, Beijing, I don't know, struck a deal with him and got him some laced coke sent to the mob boss who likes to do coke. So part of the boss fight when you're in Moscow is when he he runs back to a table and does coke and regenerates his health. If you go and talk to the guy uh, in Shanghai... And he does the laced coke. He doesn't regenerate health anymore. Huh. Never would have known that. Because the game kind of points you in a certain direction. But you can take on anything at any time. However you want to do it. There are so many branching paths in that game. There were boss fights that Matt and Jay had. That I didn't even have. It's insane. The amount that that game branches. The problem is is that it's wrapped around a very mediocre third-person shooter. But if you can get past that, you're going to have one of the most branching stories in a video game. Guaranteed. It is legit one of the best story games I've ever played. The other game, which is something... I think me and Ken brought up a couple of weeks ago 
uh, is um, El Shaddai. Remaster coming soon. That's right. El Shaddai Ascension of the Metatron is a very, very, very weird game. But it is beautiful looking. It has a crazy art style. It is essentially telling the story of Enoch from the Bible. In fact, if you translate El Shaddai, I believe it translates to God Almighty. So if you know the story of Enoch, uh, he was one of the very few humans that uh, never experienced death. God loved him so much, he brought him up to heaven to become the scribe of God. And um, if you believe in certain Judeo-Christian lore, uh, Enoch eventually turned into the angel known as Metatron, who is the voice of God. Um, and it tells the story, which is labeled in the book of Enoch, which is not actually canon for the Bible, but there is, a, I think it's a Dead Sea Scroll, which detailed um, Enoch being sent to earth by God uh, to basically wipe out the Nephilim, which are the offspring of angel and human. And that's what the game is. The game is all about Enoch fighting off the Nephilim and the angels that betrayed God. Doesn't, like, Satan drive a motorcycle or some shit? There's motorcycles in this game. Yeah, this game, for someone that hasn't played it, who's been sitting on his copy for a while, so yes, I know, I'm bad. Um, it It looks like you mixed... Devil May Cry and Nier with a little bit of No More Heroes. Yeah, that's essentially what it is. It is the strangest game I have ever played, but it is legit good. Satan and Enoch both wear blue jeans for some reason. It's not even Satan. His name is Lucifer, is what they call him. But it suggested that he is obviously Lucifer. I think while he was still an angel, and not. Yeah, I mean, technically, Satan isn't isn't a person, anyways. Uh, uh, you, oh, sorry, let me rephrase that. Satan is not a demon. No, but it's not even a name. It is it, like it is like it is literally like rival. That that's what it means. It's not. Um... I'd almost argue it's like a position of power rather than a person. So like Beelzebub, Lucifer, those are names. Like Satan is not. Yeah. I I, I had to bring it up. I don't know you're going to groan when I bring it up, but they did a great job in Supernatural with Lucifer. Right. I did groan. <laughs> they, uh, well, <clears throat> so the lore in Supernatural is... Is that Dude, a, we don't have fucking four hours. A demon. <laughs> uh, listen, I was going to explain this. A demon can take over a person. They can possess a person. Period. Just they turn into like this black smoke and go into somebody's mouth, and now they possess the person. An angel cannot. An angel first has to ask permission to take over somebody's body. Lucifer is actually an angel, so he has to convince people. To let him take over their body. It's so well done, dude. That's another hill I will die on. Supernatural is a fantastic show. 
I just don't watch television, so it's not like you can, like that's my thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, like at this point, I think I'm kind of like spent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard to be like. How do I put it? It's hard to say like certain things because none of this is none of these games I would argue are like, or most of these games aren't ten out of ten. You know what I mean? They're not. They all are flawed titles. Sure. That have more good than bad. Um, you know, so like I've mentioned spy fiction a million times. So like, what am I gonna say? It's Metal Gear Solid, everybody. If you like Metal Gear Solid, but it's like maybe this could be like more Mission Impossible ish spy fiction for PS2. But um, you know, like that's just it. Like, when do where do I draw the line of like ah the game's not that good, but there's something to take out of it. It's like, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to say something where it's like, you know, not amazing. Because, like, I would, you know, sometimes I'll see, like, Jaws Unleashed is like a hidden gem. Uh, no. No. Jaws Unleashed is, like, a really weird, like, it is, it is, it is schlock. Like, it is something that, like, you and I would probably find more enjoyment in, because we, we clearly have, like, a weird taste for jank. Um, yeah. And, you know, like, swiping a man across, <laughs> escaping a lab by grabbing the scientist, and then swiping the whole scientist across the, <laughs> the card reader as Jaws is funny, but, like, is it great gameplay? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> You know, it's made by Appaloosa, who did the great Echo Tides of Time title, so just imagine how good Jaws is running. Um, you know, like, and then, like, I do have those problems of, like, do I... Because, like, I love The Darkness, not Darkness 2, but The Darkness, which is a great first-person shooter, but is it a hidden gem? Like... <sighs> A lot of no, people I, talked about that game when it came out. Exactly. So it's like, but is, are people talking about it now? It's like, well, it's not the easiest thing to return to. You can play it on Xbox uh, Series X if, you know, with backwards compatibility. But, um, you know, I think I think part of it is like, I guess the thing to leave off with is, man, sometimes like, Part of me, like, came on and was like, ah, do I want to mention some of this stuff? And I said, fuck it, why not? Uh, most of it I'm not really too worried about if, because uh, I know it's not coming back, or, like, if it comes back, okay, I don't, I have faith in the developers, but, like, um, you look did, at... You speak, didn't bring up Whiplash, which you had shown me. Because... It's not a good game. No, no, Whiplash is a great game. There, there's some issues with it, for sure. But I don't think it's a hidden gem. And the only reason why I say that is because, like, Victor Lucas has talked about it. Nitro Rad has talked about it. PETA was, like, for that game because it was against animal testing, even though you flail a white rabbit around as your weapon, like a mace. Um, Well-written, really kind of stupid, but, like, again, a Metroidvania in the sense, like, it even rips off Metroid Prime's map, so, like, really, it's clearly inspired by Metroid. I love the soundtrack, again, by the guy from Information Society. But, like, it, it's hard, because, like, my, my whole thing was, like, have I seen someone way bigger than us talk about this game? Yes. 
did have I seen other people talk about this game? Yes, and that's kind of where I try to judge. So I will be the first to admit when you showed me Whiplash for the first time, that was the first time I had ever heard of that game. That was actually another blockbuster buy from 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 me. So it's like, yeah, that's just it though. Like, I. I'm also a really bad judge because I have, like, a really weird knowledge of games that I never have played, too. Like, I'm kind of... I kind of have some sort of encyclopedic knowledge. I don't know everything. That's for fucking sure. So when I'm... But, like, sometimes, like, the the game, the NES game there, um, Guardian Legend, like, the fact that, like, I had, like, zero knowledge of that kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Um, because, like... Not to say that like, I know every NES game. I sure as fuck don't. But something like that, I feel like I would have seen a sprite or something somewhere. Like, the fact that I've not heard anyone talk about it blew blew me away. Like, again, I know the name. I've heard it in passing. But, like, that is just it. I've just heard that name in passing and nothing more. Yeah. Um, so, like, I was trying to figure out, like, you know, what... What do you say? Like... You know, I, I would love to tell you, like, yeah, Shinobi for the PS2, but, like, Shinobi is a known entity. I feel like enough people know about it. Do people know about that it has a sequel called Nightshade? Maybe. Like, I'm not other people. And, like, there's so many fucking hidden gem lists out there that have just ruined me entirely. Like, is it is it not well-known because it's not well-known, or is it not well-known because, like, literally they printed, like, a thousand copies, it seems, and, like, the thousand people that have that game are never getting rid of it. Yeah, that's like, um, I I don't know if you remember correctly, but when Demon's Souls first came out, nobody knew what the fuck that was. My friend, my roommate did, because he was, you know, he was following it whenever it came out in Japan, and he was like, dude, this game looks fucking wild so we picked it up i picked up the deluxe edition and then the next day they're like we don't have any more copies of this game and i'm like okay because he worked at gamestop i was like okay well this game's actually really cool it's weird as shit nobody's talking about it so we couldn't look up anything there was no fact for it and then within probably three weeks they're printing more copies of that game because the word of mouth the spread saying hey you might want to check out this demon souls game it's weird yeah, and it led to, like, you know, not to say a glut, but, like, it led to a glut of, because it's the only word I have for it, of of imitators and, and spiritual successors from that team, that same team and stuff. And it's, like, that's where I was, like, you know, the same with Yakuza. Like, Yakuza, like, was a hidden gem. Oh, God, yeah. But look what's happened to it. Now and Everybody I'd argue knows that Yakuza. It, like you, the examples that I was thinking of where I'm like, ah, do you really want to? Is like, do I really want to? Like, look at what happened to Earth Defense Force. Yeah, that game is annualized, and uh, it don't need to be. <laughs> um, Deadly Premonition got a sequel. That was a fucking mistake from all accounts. Uh. So it's like this weird thing where it's like I don't I don't have an issue with talking about certain things like the um Call of War Res game that we played that we seem to have a better opinion of than everybody else on the face of the planet. Yeah. Um I don't have an issue with that game though. Like I thought it was decent when played with co-op and like 
I don't have some fear that, like, oh, no, we're going to inspire more of this. Because, like, that's just it. Like, I don't... Like, looking at my list, like, Rocket Slime... Well, they, there are two other games. I would just like those translated. Um, we're never getting another Graffiti Kingdom. Koro Q, I, I don't think there's been a game since the Wii. Um, Anima Gate of Memories, there are two. I don't think there's any more in the pipeline. I think they said there was, but Rabbids, I can't stop if I wanted to. <laughs> um, you know, so it's just like a lot of the stuff that I brought up, like, is independent, so it's not like I have to worry about like them pumping out sequels constantly, or like licensed stuff that is never going to be that because it just can't be, right? Like I think I, like, I think the biggest, the like one of the bigger things where I can see like there being a, more of a cult following was like Spider-Man Two, which I know sold a bunch of copies, but like Spider-Man One, the first one off of the movies, um, that's a great game that a lot of people don't talk about. And then Spider-Man 2 was a better game by all counts. Um, except that I got rid of the stealth stuff, which I liked in the first game. Um, and then look what happened with that. Like Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man Web Shadows, Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Like, one of those is a good game. Yeah. And it's just like, I always fear, like, talking too positively about something that is good that a lot of people may not be focused on and all of a sudden like just picks up like, uh, you know, like what does the publisher do is fucking look at what happened with Assassin's Creed. That's true. Everything's got to fucking be a chart with icons. And it's just like, I, uh, I know those are big companies, but it's just, you know, I don't need another whiplash game ever. Yeah. As much as I love whiplash. Uh, IDOS has other things. I don't think Crystal Dynamics is going to be like what if we did a Whiplash game. True, <laughs> but uh. I do have a couple of emails talking about oh. hidden gems. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, our first one comes in from Chad. He says, uh, "Howdy, guys. You frequently talk about games with divergent narratives based on choices, so I have what I would consider a hidden gem for y'all." The Banner Saga Trilogy. It's basically Oregon Trail with a Norse-like high fantasy theme with short turn-based strategic battles at key points. However, the turn-based battles have a bit of a twist. Each character has two stats, health and shield. Obviously, the higher the person's shield is, the less damage you can do to them. However, a character's health also determines the amount of damage they cause when they attack, so it requires some thought onto how you want to approach each action. Plus, each side alter- alternates on action, so you have only one enemy left on the field. That enemy gets to attack every other turn. It creates a really interesting strategic mechanic. It also has really good music and Hanna-Barbera-style hand-drawn graphics. But the most interesting part of the game is how wildly different each playthrough is based on the choices you make. It's written by some ex-Bioware writers, so they knew what they were doing. The choices aren't easy either. More than a handful are excruciating because they seem like a no-win situation, but in a good way. 
Your choices have real consequences that result in deaths of companions, who you meet along the way, the places you visit, alliances broken, etc. On top of that, you are responsible for a whole caravan and their well-being. By the time I got near the end of the Banner Saga 3, I was legitimately concerned about whether I would be able to beat the game because of the results of my choices. It was an agonizing and awesome. I guarantee every playthrough will be different. All three games or the whole saga takes about 30 hours to complete. Definitely worth a try. I think it's available on basically everything, including iOS. Well, I have a suggestion for him, and it's called Ash of God's Redemption, because afterwards I found out that that game... After I wrote my review, I found that game. That was like my second review, I think. Um, I found out that it was basically a Banner Saga ripoff, which it is. And knowing that the Banner Saga has the same thing where you alternate turns, I hated that because it, I hated it because like that the whole idea is like, and this is this is me just being an RPG guy and like trying to be like stats matter, you know. Um, your attack pattern should be based off of like how fast a character is, and so when. The idea of like alternating turns, if there's one enemy left, he gets to go after every other enemy. Like the idea of turn-based combat is that it's a fight that's taking place in seconds, but spread out over minutes, right? So it's like he's moving at hyper speed. I hated it. I hated it so much. And I know that's just a personal preference thing. Um, But... uh, I like the story of Ash of God's Redemption. It's not the same as Banner Saga with choices like that, but there are some elements where um, you do have to make a choice, and it does give you a different ending. I believe I got a bad ending in mind, but like it was like it took me like four. It's forty four hours or something like that on my play log, and I had that thing set to auto battle at one point. So, um, what was that <clears throat> that Viking game that you played? That you oh, you actually dead got in Finland, dead oh, in Finland, and then they fixed it. They they took my. I, I'm sure I'm not the only person that was like critical of it, but they took my criticism um, and was like, "Yeah, okay, so the randomization has some issues, so we fixed it and like made it m- more random because I felt like it didn't feel like a real dice roll sometimes. Like any virtual dice roll sucks because it's not like a dice roll." plain and simple um or if it's a really good system and it feels like a dice roll it may not feel like a dice roll because you're not rolling an actual dice so it doesn't feel like chance it feels like a anyways they went and changed it so you have the choice and then there's a bunch of different modes and you slowly explore the island and yeah dead and finland is a great game that thank you for reminding me drew yeah um it's actually free on epic game store right now tharsis was like that Tharsis is the weirdest freaking game ever. I reviewed it, um, and it is literally dice rolls. You roll dice, you see the dice on your screen. Death Yahtzee. It is <laughs> that game. That game. Death Yahtzee, you have to put the dice in the spots, and you get the red dice, and you're like, oh, shit. So you get red dice if you end up eating your crewmates. That's right. <laughs> I forgot why you get it. Yep, it's bloody dice, is what it is. Was that was that my tagline? Was Death Yahtzee? No, but it might be. <laughs> Hold on. No, I don't think it is. 
death Yahtzee is every, every time I think of like putting dice away and like someone is going to get hurt I'm just like this is Yahtzee for death <laughs> pretty much no your tagline is you can't win another man's game but you can try <laughs> yeah you can't win another man's game too that, that's my that was my dad's quote my dad used to always say that remember Drew you can't win in another man's game <laughs> gotcha um, but yeah, Tharsis was a strange game. It was a little addicting, um, but sometimes it did feel like I'm screwed either way, and I only got two dice to roll, so I guess roll them. Uh, next email uh, comes in from Dustin, and it is labeled Hidden Gems. It says, what's up? I love Hidden Gems. They offer some of the best experiences gaming has to offer with usually a side of jank. Don't some even have some don't even have jank, but for some reason just fly under everyone's radar. I'm not sure what I want to focus on for sure in this email since there's so many. This could be five or six intermission topics. I think I might just run down some of my personal favorite hidden gems with a small summary of a for a bunch of different systems. So here we go. Hopefully this doesn't get too long. NES, The Goonies 2, Metroid-style game that's a sequel to a, the movie. Absolutely loved this game, and it was the very first game I beat. I would routinely beat it one sitting, even though it was a had a password system. As a kid, I didn't understand how to use it. Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. No, I've never heard of this game. I played this for the first time maybe three years ago now. It's a first-person adventure dungeon crawler. I was very impressed with the game from its quirky art style to figuring out the puzzles to get around town. It captivated me in a way not very many games do nowadays. The dungeon towards the end, I did need a guide since it has multiple floors and is very easy to get lost. Solomon's Key. Please, please, please play this game. It's an action puzzler where you're in a room. You need to find the key to unlock the exit, then go through the door to the next puzzle room. You can jump and create blocks to jump onto, or you can break, or can break the as well, or break them as well. Uh, there's multiple enemy types that range from just moving back and forth to some that chase you. Such an underrated game that I would love to see a modern version of. The Guardian Legend. Think Blaster Master with shoot 'em ups in between the stages. Okay, well, there you go. Somebody else has heard of The Guardian Legend. Sweet Home. Amazing horror RPG only released in Japan. I still really want Phoenix Down to do this game for Halloween since there's fan translations easily available, plus the main inspiration for Resident Evil. So many great hidden gems on the NES, but let's move on, else I won't finish this email. Super NES, Soul Blazer, great action RPG from Enix, part of the Illusions of Gaia and Terranigma trilogy? Yeah, Terranigma. Okay. Yeah, I have, the, I have Terranigma and um, Illusion of Gaia, but I've never played Soul Blazer. Which both can be gems as well. Let's see here. Secret of Evermore, often overlooked RPG from Square. Seventh Saga. I think this game would be talked about more if the U.S. version wasn't totally broke. Uh, they ramped up the difficulty so much 
from the Japanese version, it's damn near impossible to beat unless you pick a specific race. It's a turn-based RPG. Ogre Battle, great real-time strategy RPG. It's tough to categorize this since it's its own genre. In 64, Mischief Makers, weird Japanese 2D action platformer, Shake Shake. <laughs> Hybrid Heaven, quirky RPG from Konami with wrestling moves in a sci-fi setting. I had played Hybrid Heaven, and that's a running joke on the N4G radio. I don't think that game's that great. It's weird, and it did have some things that I had never seen before. That game's kind of bad, though. <laughs> Uh, GameCube, uh, Batten Kayatos, card-based RPG. Uh, Donkey Konga, rhythm game with bongo controller, great for parties. Uh, Wii, Fragile Dreams, Farewell Ruins of the Moon. Creepy game, having you explore an apocalyptic setting with a flashlight with some frightening thrown, with some fighting thrown in. This game really scratched a niche for me, and I loved every minute of it. I feel like I played this game. It's a rare game. I feel like I played this game. Is it like a... Do you play as like a little girl? Uh, I don't... Listen, you're asking me to like... You're asking me to distinguish between an anime boy and an anime girl and... With like a stick or something? Yeah, she's got red hair. Like a blue jacket. I can't remember now. It's very anime-looking. Like, uh, you know what? It looks a bit like Valkyria Chronicles at times. Like okay. Art style, I guess. That's the best description I can have of it. Okay. I know the game. I've only ever seen one copy come up for sale, and I did not have the money for it. Gotcha. So. Uh, another game on the Wii. Uh, Pandora's Tower. Action game where you're climbing a tower, fighting bosses at the end of each floor, trying to find a cure for a dying girl. Part of the Rainfall collection of Jap- Japanese games that also included Xenoblade Chronicles and The Last Story. Wii U. Zombie U. Great survival horror game that was ported to other systems, but the Wii U is the definitive since you're rummaging in your backpack. It's on the Wii U pad since there's no pause in the game. And you can be attacked whenever it added to the suspense. Also, when you died, you could find your old character in zombie form, kill them, and get your stuff back. Best launch game of the system. Nintendo Land. Collection of minigames based on Nintendo IPs. Most of them were very enjoyable. The Decay Minecart game was fantastic. Holy cow, guys, there's a lot. I might just end it here, though. I barely scratched the surface. I hope you guys do another intermission on this topic. And I can get into some Sony and Microsoft consoles. Quick shout outs to Tokyo Dun- Jungle, Elix, Legend, hey. of, Legend of the River King. Oh shit! And Earth you. Atlantis. Earth Atlantis. Earth Atlantis is on PS4. He says, play this game. I have never heard of Earth oh, Atlantis. Oh, I do know this game. Okay, well, oh shit. You know what? I think I thought this was Aquatic Adventures of the Last Human. That's what I think happened. Because I, I do recognize it. It looks like a... Um, I don't want to say it looks like a map, but it's like it's that sort of beige coloring for everything. Right, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Original monster hunting gameplay. Search and hunt down dreadful sea monsters and explore. Well, this sounds actually it's not for me because I, it, even though it doesn't look terrifying, I hate the water. Yeah. 
That's that, I've never heard of this game. This looks cool. I probably skipped over it seeing it on sale on Switch, so I'll keep my eye out for it. Earth Atlantis. Okay. I'll keep it up. Uh, but that, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, Tokyo Jungle I was addicted to for like two weeks. Um, and then Elix I heard was like hard as balls. Yeah, it Elix is great. The difficulty curve is not. That's that's the problem. Well, there you go. There's your two emails. Thank you both for those emails. Uh, Hidden gems seem like a pretty popular topic. I'm sure I could scrape through more. It's just like part of the problem is I have such a big backlog that I have to play that I can't speak to some of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the exact same way. There's there's just tons of stuff that I've I want to play. Is I'm, the Adventures of Darwin good? I don't know. I bought it because it was weird and it looked like Pikmin with cavemen. I I you know what I did? You remember you sent me that video of that guy playing through uh, the. Uh, the Curse of the Druids. Oh, <laughs> Mystery of the Druids. Mystery of the Druids. And I, w- I went back and finished that video. That's the kind of game that I would probably sit down and play if I was like 22. Just because of how dumb it is. <laughs> I do have to say the fact that he poisons... Uh, I'm talking about Mandalore Gaming's uh, Mystery of the Druids video, but uh, I do like the fact that he poisons a homeless man as one of the puzzles. <laughs> And that's like the only solution to just, that. Just steal his change. Yeah. Make a phone call because he's a useless detective that spent all of his money on pizza. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's the that's a, like, like that's a weird ass game. <laughs> Fucking the other detective hates him. Right. All the other detectives hate him. Rightfully so. Yep. Anyway, well, that's going to be it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you, Anthony, for coming on and and doing this. Thank you for letting me basically rant for hours. No, no, we brought up <laughs> some good stuff, I think. And, and you know, I I got some good ideas, you know. I, I feel like uh, there's a few games on here that I'd like to play. So I think you need to play Anima. But more importantly, play fucking uh, uh, Anodyne so we can talk about it. God damn it. <laughs> Anodyne, okay. It goes on sale for like a dollar, Drew. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Play it on your Xbox. Oh, is it on Xbox as well? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. But, yeah, that's going to be it for us. Um, We're going to be back next week. Uh, But until then, I am Drew. I'm Anthony. And we are out of here. You guys have a great, great week. And we will be back with the beginning of Diablo 2. Diablo 2.